Welcome to Life Week, right to Life of Michigan's bi-weekly podcast going in-depth on pro-life news and issues. I'm your host, Chris Gast, RLM's Director of Communication and Education. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Today, our feature is going to be talking about that CDC abortion report and getting into the nitty-gritty of some numbers that you need to know about. But first, we'll cover a couple of news stories, kind of a good news, bad news situation. We'll start with the bad news. Michigan abortionist Michael Roth, uh, also known as the car trunk abortionist, which we've talked about several times in the podcast, has finally gotten his sentence for his crimes. Now, Roth was initially charged with 10 crimes, uh, three for larceny in a building, uh, six for identity theft, and then one charge dealing with him stealing fentanyl, an opioid medication. And uh, we found out that his, last week on Thursday, that his sentence for these crimes would amount to a grand total of probation and $798 in fines and court costs. Well, uh, when we found that out Thursday, we were under the impression that the identity theft charges and the charges for possession with intent to deliver fentanyl would still be tried in Oakland County, in a separate county. And the reason those cases were separate because the abortion clinic that he stole the equipment from uh, is in East Point in Macomb County, and then where he was presumably doing his at-home abortions and where he got caught was in Oakland County. And so those charges were a little convoluted. So we were kind of outraged. You know, those larceny in the building charges were all felonies. That's three felony convictions. And he only got off with probation and a $798 fine, which is pretty ridiculous. I mean, if you went into a clinic and stole fentanyl, uh, amongst other things, uh, three felony convictions, I'd like to believe that you get a lot more than just a slap on the wrist. But that's what he got. Well, we we worked on the press release and got the facts. Uh, We waited until Monday to put the press release out just so it caught on a good part of the news cycle. Friday news often gets buried. That's when you know a lot of government agencies will do uh, news dumps so they get ignored because everyone's just paying attention to uh, their own lives on the weekend instead of on social media incessantly seeing what the latest headline is. And um, so we got the press release out on Monday and then we became aware of a story by the Macomb Daily, which we hadn't seen before, unfortunately. It was actually an extremely good uh, piece of reporting. And uh, unfortunately, um, one little kind of piece of the reporting that was kind of glossed over, but was included and informed us, was that these charges in Oakland County had been dropped. Um, extremely frustrating that everyone who had kind of been covering it and following it, I should say, you know, everyone makes it sound like there's a lot of people. Uh, you know, you count on one hand the number of people actually following the story weren't aware of this, this really critical detail. Um, no one went to go find out what happened in Oakland County to those charges. No one was covering that. You know, time and time again, the media ignores these situations. Now, WXYZ and, um, you know, a couple Detroit news stations did a great job of covering the arrest of Roth and the raid on his home. 
specifically because, you know, it's kind of newsworthy, the bodies of 15 babies in the trunk of your car. But the follow-up wasn't there for this Oakland case. Um, and, uh, you know, you can go online and look at court records. We haven't paid for those court records yet. Yeah, it looks like there's a bunch of uh, filings for squashing evidence and, um, you know, gagging information. So something went seriously wrong in this Oakland case. And, um, you know, it's really, you know, it's my fault for relying on the media to uh, to maybe follow that, you know. It's unfortunate, but really we have to be our own media organization here and do our own original reporting on these uh, matters of public concern. So um, we'll make sure we get that right going forward. Um, and, you know, again, that's just a ongoing frustrating issue of, you know, being able to rely on reporters reading information and reporting it accurately without bias. And then even from a standpoint of selecting news stories, making sure that the issues that matter get covered and aren't just forgotten about. So that's the bad news. Uh, the good news in, in that story is Roth is very old and may likely never work again. His medical license has still been suspended, and he has to jump through a lot of hoops to get it back, hopefully a lot of hoops. Um, but we'll follow that, and we'll make sure that you are informed if that happens. The good piece, uh, the really good piece of news, is the Planned Parenthood investigation in terms of their fetal organ harvesting has blown wide open. Uh, just in the last few days, we got a, a three big news stories uh, right back to back to back about how the investigations are not uh, fruitless, Planned Parenthood hasn't been cleared, as they like to claim, and most of all, the undercover videos that David Daleiden and the Center for Medical Progress uh, captured through their investigative reporting are not heavily edited fake news, or whatever else Planned Parenthood might like to say. So what are these three news stories? Uh, first, we got indications that the Department of Justice has asked Congress to turn over materials relating to Planned Parenthood for their own investigation, which that is huge. Uh, it's a federal tissue trafficking law that Planned Parenthood broke, and so it is good that the Department of Justice is finally taking it seriously. The Obama Department of Justice would probably not have taken it seriously, especially considering um, you know, the former head of the DOJ, Eric Holder, his wife owns a building that's an abortion clinic. And so right there, that's not exactly fairness. So that's huge. And then we got another story right after that, that a, two companies, uh, two related companies in California that had been purchasing fetal tissue from abortion clinics have been shut down. So this case is out of Orange County, California, which may be uh, considered you know, a more conservative part of California. But the local uh, district attorney there actually pursued the evidence that was given to them by David Daleiden and the Center, uh, Center for Medical Progress and came through. Uh, these companies have been ordered to shut down and pay a fine of more than $7 million. And they have to admit their guilt for breaking state and federal tissue trafficking laws. And so right there, when Planned Parenthood says these videos are fake, no, they're not fake. Now they have two successful convictions. Um, well, I guess you could say one because the companies are related, but two concrete results from this investigation, from their undercover reporting directly. So Planned Parenthood, stop lying.
I'm sure they're listening to this podcast and they're going to take my advice. But that is huge because that is proof positive that these videos were capturing illegal activities in some manner. And then we got a third piece of news immediately after that. The Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, is investigating uh, the University of New Mexico, their uh, their health system, and a very notorious uh, late-term abortion clinic in Albuquerque for fetal tissue trafficking. So not just uh, the Department of Justice in general, but the FBI is looking into some uh, some facet of this issue. And so this is all extremely positive news. This investigation is at least being taken seriously at this point. Now, good news, bad news again. Uh, depending on who is responsible for investigating this at the Department of Justice, these charges may actually be pursued or they may just be ignored. As, as we saw in the Roth case, uh, it didn't matter that we had an abortionist who uh, stole opioid medication. You know, kind of a big issue right now, right? Uh, it didn't matter that they had this guy dead to rights. A judge just took pity on him. And so time and time again, we see that pro-choice officials and even ambivalent officials will let the abortion clinic go. And Planned Parenthood, of course, has wormed their way into so many institutions and so much of uh, popular public society that uh, it's going to be hard even if it's an open and shut case legally. And so we'll continue to follow that, and hopefully we'll have some great news for you in the new year. All right, let's get to our feature for today, those Center for Disease Control abortion numbers. So, as we covered in our previous podcast, the CDC released their numbers from 2014. They lag behind uh, just a couple of years. And the good news is where abortions were continuing to decline. And so let's talk about uh, some specifics in that report that you should be aware of. First thing I want to talk about, um, if you follow the CDC reports uh, very closely, you will know that California, which is the largest state in the union, doesn't report their abortion statistics. They haven't reported them since, uh, off the top of my head, I believe 1998. 1997 was the last year that they reported abortion statistics. Well, um, so that makes the CDC report really incomplete, especially since California has such a large proportion of the nation's abortions. And um, based on the evidence we had from when they used to report, was the uh, state with the highest abortion rate, uh, by far in some cases. And so the CDC report is missing a very critical piece of data. So it's still useful because we can compare a lot of states over years because most of the states report it consistently. Uh, We can look at trends. um, We can compare it to the Guttmacher report, which is, uh, you know, a pro-abortion report, but they poll the abortion clinics directly. Um, You know, the Guttmacher has their own issues sometimes with uh, statistics and reports, which is a long story. But but, uh, it's useful to us to a degree, okay? Well, a reporter on CNN the other day, uh, Kirsten Powers, who is, uh, you could describe a, a, a Democratic-leaning uh, reporter, but who is not a abortion zealot. In fact, it was her reporting, um, she was the one that took 
media outlets a task for failing to cover the Kermit Gosnell story. She was doing yeoman's work there to make sure that people were aware of Kermit Gosnell. And so this is not a reporter who, um, you know, is a knee-jerk defender of abortion. But uh, she is a little biased in terms of uh, the Democratic Party because that's just how her politics happen to be. Uh, no, no problem in that uh, in of itself, but... She uh, was on CNN trying to make the point that abortion rates decline faster under Democratic presidents than they do Republican presidents. And there were some really big problems with her numbers, specifically involving the CDC report. Um, The most glaring problem that she had is she looked at the abortion rates uh, when every president started and when they left office. And those are the numbers she went with. But, again, in the middle of the the Clinton administration, California, which is about, uh, off the top of my head, uh, I think about a quarter of the abortions in the country, uh, and the, the state with by far the highest abortion rate simply stopped reporting their numbers. And so in the middle of the 90s, you, the abortion rate takes this drastic drop. Um, and it, she... Kirsten Powers was showing a graph. She was defending her comments on Twitter, showing this graph, showing, and there's this huge drop that year. And it looks like that, uh, according to her argument, that Bill Clinton did a great job of dropping abortion rates. But no, what happened is California stopped reporting the numbers, and the average went way down. It would be like taking a poll in an election, and then one one day just deciding not to count any of the uh, the the people polled who identify as Democrats. And then the next day declaring, oh, the Republican is now in the lead. Well, yeah, you stop counting the Democrats. Those averages are skewed. And so um, huge mistake on the part of powers. Uh, and it's a huge mistake because uh, for two reasons. Um, one, she relied on another journalist who who looked at the report and did those numbers. And guess what? That journalist didn't read it. Um you know, you have to go back and you have to read the sources, because time and time again, journalists will not read. Uh, you know, you have to feel a little sympathy for them. It's their industry is in decline, um, their staff support is is declining, their demands for output are increasing, and so they're they're rushed and they don't have the time they necessarily could to look into these things. But if if, you, if you're in that situation, then you have to acknowledge that, and you have to not make these sweeping claims, and not rely on other reporters. You have to go and do the research yourself, which Powers didn't do, um, or if she did, then she made the same mistake as this uh, reporter. She was using this uh, particular reporter's article on a, on a news website called Quartz um, to try to bolster her claim, and of course you can get. The full details and all that on our blog uh, through our website, rtl.org. Click on the big orange-brown button for social media with the B on it. Goes to our blog. But um, the other second mistake that she did was not correcting it. Now, maybe she uh, didn't see uh, people arguing with her and whatnot, but... um, You know, she didn't correct it because, in her mind, those numbers confirm her prior assumptions... She's not willing to go back and check them and challenge them. And that's a fundamental problem with, uh, as the media likes to call, fake news, is the news, these false claims get out there, and then corrections or the the facts 
don't nearly get as much circulation. And to be honest, in this case in particular, you know, Kirsten Powers and that reporter whose article that she shared um, didn't do anything special as journalists that I didn't do just looking at a report. All I'm doing is going to the CDC's website and looking at the report. This isn't highly technical. I didn't talk to any sources. I didn't have any contacts. I just read the report. You know, in a lot of cases, reporters are no different than random bloggers or people out there, like me. Um, but we give them deference as if their research is in-depth and their command of the facts and current events is greater. Um, and that's a huge problem because, frankly, that sort of confidence isn't justified based as the output. So many times, you know, you have to correct reporters or you look and they have uh, blatant inaccuracies that if they just read what they're reporting on, if they just took 10 minutes to do it, it would fix. Anyway, don't get me started. Back to the CDC report. So um, a couple of stats we wanted to share. As I mentioned briefly in the last podcast, both the abortion rate and ratios are declining, which are important. Uh, the abortion rate means the number of women uh, who had abortions per 1,000 women of childbearing age. And the rate going down means uh, fewer percentage of women are having abortions. And then the ratio is going down. And the ratio is comparing the number of live births to the number of abortions. And so a higher percentage of women are choosing life. And those are both good numbers. Sometimes it's tempting to say that abortions are only declining uh, because uh, population and fertility overall are declining. Um, this happens in Michigan. People say, oh, abortions are declining because people are just leaving the state. No, the abortion ratios are declining as well, meaning more women are choosing life. Another claim that um, we don't want to belabor but uh, often gets in, uh, made is that contraception is the reason for all these abortion declines um, and uh, you know certainly you look at the abortion ratio is not a um, a uh, perfect way of debunking that but the fact that a higher percentage of women are uh, choosing life is a uh, good little piece to uh, rebut that but I think if you look you know at basically just at the total unplanned uh, pregnancy, rate. Um, in 2006, uh, and these numbers are, uh, I also got from the CDC, 2006, um, the unplanned uh, pregnancy rate was 49%. And then in uh, 2013, um, I believe, or 2015, anyway, it's around, around 2014, that number was 45%. So a small decline in unintended pregnancies. Was that the result of contraception? Uh, maybe. Uh, was the result of other things? Maybe. Um, but if you look at the rate and ratio declines over that same time frame, you know, from 2005 to 2014, so a uh, little different, but uh, pretty close to the same amount of time, the abortion rate declined from 15.6 to 12, and the ratio declined from 235 to 186. So the, uh, the unexpected, uh, the unplanned pregnancy rate declined 10%, uh, in about 10 years. And then the uh, abortion rate and ratios declined uh, about 20%. And so uh, if contraception were the sole reason abortions were declining, then those numbers would be uh, pretty much uh, exact. Um, 
but the bottom line is uh, there's a there's a lot more to that picture than contraception is uh, getting rid of abortions. And why is that claim made? Well, um, Planned Parenthood is embarrassed by saying how many abortions they do, and so by uh, claiming that their activities are uh, also preventing abortions, uh, they can give people the sense of security or uh, doing good that, uh, you know, actually we're preventing more abortions than we provide, which that's still a horrible point to make. I mean, if the hospital every year was finding one random person in the hospital and executing them, um, you know, they wouldn't stay open, even though they're saving other lives. Um, You can't do that. You can't kill people. But uh, Planned Parenthood, uh, to people who are kind of ambivalent on abortion who, or who are, um, you know, really treat it as a philosophical issue and find it distasteful but don't really uh, internalize the belief that the unborn child is a human being, um, those sorts of claims appeal to that person uh, so they don't think too deeply about these issues. A couple other numbers I wanted to highlight in the CDC report. Minority abortions are decreasing. That's a very encouraging trend because minorities continue to have a very large proportion of abortions in the United States. From 2007 to 2014, uh, according to the CDC, uh, the abortion rate for non-Hispanic black women decreased 27%, and for Hispanic women it decreased 41%. That's very important. Now, uh, the percentage of, of abortions minorities have is still very high. Even though non-Hispanic blacks only comprise 13% of the population, they have 36% of the abortions. Hispanics, according to the CDC numbers, are 18% of the population, and they had 18% of the abortions. Now, uh, again, uh, California isn't included. California has a heavily Hispanic population, and so those numbers are not perfect. And no abortion numbers are. Even in our own state, we know that at times abortion clinics are refusing to report their numbers to the state. But it is useful. We can look at trends, and the trends are while uh, minority abortions are still way out of whack and really need to be addressed, they are dropping, and so that is a positive. Another number, uh, a couple numbers that you might not be aware of, but everyone should, um, useful to know. Even though abortion rates and ratios are declining in every age group, the average age of a woman having abortion is increasing because of the rapidly aging demographics in the United States and uh, just the cultural changes of, I would argue, how uh, we go, uh, how we deal with dating and marriage and whatnot uh, for millennials like me. And so with a rising demographic in abortion, you know, it creates some new challenges. You know, where are we focusing our attention? Um, what are we doing? How are we reaching these women? Uh, you got to reach a woman who is 35 uh, in a very different way than you say would reach a woman who's 20 or 15. Um, just to give some numbers, in 2005, women 30 and over had 26.5% of abortions. And by 2014, women 30 and over had 30 over 30% of the abortions. And so uh, this trend with the aging dem- rapidly aging demographics in the U.S. is likely to continue. Abortion advocates often like to claim that uh, late-term abortions are just a tiny percentage overall, and so they should be ignored. 
And uh, in a certain sense, yeah, the number of late-term abortions is a relatively small percentage. Uh, the CDC reported only 1.3% of abortions in 2014 were at 20 weeks or later. But when you do those numbers and you look at the total abortions in the United States, that's 12,000 annual late-term abortions. That is 1,000 more late-term abortions than the number of gun homicides in the United States in 2014, as reported by the CDC. So no one would trivialize the issue of uh, homicide or issues like gun control, but like saying only a small percentage of people die from it. But why would we do the same thing with abortion? When, uh, you know, arguably just by those numbers, late-term abortion ought to be talked about more than gun control. Do you hear discussions about late-term abortion more than you do about gun control? At the water cooler, at home, on social media? I don't. Not even close. And I work for a pro-life organization. Not that, you know, we obviously talk about it here in the office. But that is something that people really need to not fall for. Um, You know, believing that, well, only small percentage of abortions are performed at uh, 20 weeks or later. Well, there's a ton of abortions in the United States. Another fact that people just don't really think about or know. I mean, look at these numbers. For every gun homicide in the United States, there are 84 abortions. Are we devoting 84 times our coverage, attention, and uh, legislative action towards abortion than we are gun control? I don't think so. And then uh, one other fact um, that really speaks to the, the horrible nature of abortion and the type of woman that an abortion clinic profits from Um, Nearly half of women who have abortions have already had at least one abortion. The repeat abortion rate, according to those CDC numbers, was 44.9%. That means if there's 10 women sitting in the waiting room for an abortion clinic, five have already been there. So let's take that out a step. Uh, So five of those women in the abortion clinic are there having their first abortion. Three of those women are there having their second abortion there another woman there is having has already had two abortions there and she's there to have her third and then the tenth woman is there having her fourth abortion at that clinic so those numbers are just tragic so of that 44.9% of women who are who are repeat aborters 24.7 are having their second abortion 11.6 for having their third, and 8.6 for having their fourth, or more. Um, sometimes you'll hear people argue, hear stories about women who have uh, eight, nine, ten abortions, and uh, you'll hear people claim, well, that's not true, that can't be true. It's true. And it's not a trivial percentage of the overall abortions. You think about it. If there's about a million abortions of the year, that's 500,000 repeat abortions. That's uh, 250,000 abortions are, are women having their third or more more abortion. That is a horrible problem. And I, I know a woman who has had that many abortions. You know, this isn't uh, fantasy. This is really happening. And a lot of people are completely unaware of it. The stereotypical picture of a woman in an abortion clinic is 
a, a college-aged uh, woman who had an unplanned pregnancy, and uh, she's having uh, one abortion, and that's what happened, and then she goes on to live the rest of her life and have a family and have a nice job and do all that stuff. That's, that's not the case. There's a lot uh, deeper issues at work there. And so uh, if you have any more questions about CDC numbers or you ever want to know more, go to our website, rtl.org. Feel free to ask us. Again, we read these reports, and so we can tell you, don't rely on a reporter to tell you what they found in the CDC report, because the odds are they didn't read it. All right, that's all the time we have for this edition of LifeBeat. Join us again in the new year for our next episode. We're going to change the format a little bit. We're going to get a nice uh, microphone that sits on a desk, and we're going to have uh, more of a conversation. We're going to have more than one person uh, participating in the podcast moving forward. And so hopefully uh, we'll still be able to give you some interesting insights on the news and a little more entertaining fashion, and maybe we'll get to some uh, deeper insights uh, with two or three uh, people really hashing these issues out. Thanks for listening. Have a Merry Christmas. Have a wonderful rest of your year. Stay safe in our Michigan snowy weather, and we'll catch you in 2018.